So generally speaking, uh, in Irish households of old, uh, there was the, the kitchen, that's where everything happened. There was the living room, that's where life was lived and the meals were had. And in most old homes, there was the sitting room or the good room, which was probably one of the nicest rooms in the house, which was used never. Uh, that was the room where all the good stuff was kept. It was the room where the children weren't allowed. It was the, tr- the room that was maybe reserved for Christmas. But then often at Christmas you end up in the living room anyway because it was just where we're used to eating. So the sitting room, it's, it's a funny thing in, in old Irish houses. Uh, that we, the, most modern houses don't do that anymore. Uh, the kind of open plan kitchen, living rooms, and the sitting room is, you know, uh, there, there is no kind of good room in most, in most uh, new houses. They use, they use the whole house, which makes a little more sense. Uh, but I remember in, in our house as well, we had the sitting room, which is a quite a sizable room, which we never used. All the good stuff was in there. Uh, apparently, again, the idea was we'd eat there on Christmas, but you're like, we were still kids and footballs and new toys and helicopters and stuff with all the china set out. And sure, there was no way we were going to be allowed in there with footballs and hurleys and all that we'd got for Christmas. So we never used the good room. Uh, the idea would be, though, that if guests came, that's where they'd be brought in. You know, you'd light the fire and... And, and it was great. And I think all of us have, well, in houses, there's always the part of the house that we want guests to see. And then there's the wardrobe that's absolutely bulging and bursting and held together with some sort of a string, right? And if you open those doors, all of the, the washing, the laundry, the mattresses, the footballs, the, all of the, 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 the sports gear, all of the, the, maybe a couple of pets that aren't supposed to be running, everything is shoved in there when guests come. You know, so like there are certain areas uh, when guests come that you do not want them to see. You don't want you know the, the, the utility. It's where all the boots are dumped and dumped, and all the you know the all the dirt is left there. So when guests come, they're shown in the front door, not the back door, and they're brought to the good room. They're brought to the sitting room, and then the fire is lit and the tea is poured and all of that. Great. I think in some way, when we come to the Lord, we can treat the Lord like like one of those kind of guests where we want him to see the good stuff. So we invite him in the front door and we escort him very carefully to the good room. And we say, Lord, you're very welcome. Um, I've been to Mass on Sunday. Now you can sit down there. Now, what can I get you? Uh, and and there's, we, we, we like him to see the good parts of our hearts, the parts that are going well, the parts of our lives that are, that are as they should be. Uh, the, the prayer that we did manage to do and the relationships that are going well and the sacrifices we managed to, to, to make or whatever it is, all those kind of good things that we want the Lord to see. We're, we're, we're glad that he sees them and we're, we're you know, I wouldn't say proud of them, that might be a strong way of phrasing it, but we're, we're glad that there's some good elements of our lives to see. But if you imagine like your, your, your heart as a house or maybe as a castle, uh, if the Lord were to walk past the utility rooms and if you were to ask, you know, what's, what's in there? How quick would you be to usher him? Oh, don't, don't mind that. How quick would you be to usher him on? To do, oh, that's fine. Just keep coming, keep coming. Show you the good stuff. How much permission do we give to the Lord to, to roam free in our house? How much permission do we, do we give him to, to go wherever he wants? To open, if you're American, like to open the basement door. Or open the laundry door. Or open the garage door. 
the places that generally aren't so pretty? How much permission do we give him to go in there? Because the stuff that's already in order, the rooms that are already in order, don't really need him so much. It's good that things are in order in certain places, and are fantastic. But they're not the parts that actually really need God's help. The Lord, is coming to, the Lord has come to seek and save the lost. He has come to bandage the wounds. He has come to reconcile us with the Father. So the parts that are going well, they're already good. They're not really the parts that need God. The Lord needs, or we need, to show the Lord the ugly bits, the broken bits, what's not working, what's not good, what's unclean. Today's uh, gospel is that of the, the Gerasene demoniac. And it's always interesting to, you know, when you have to, as a priest, when you have to read the gospel. Um, I suppose... I was never really an actor, but I sometimes I have a bit of an artistic flair. And you'd love to read the gospel with a little more... Well, you know, when, when there's a possessed guy speaking, you know, you can't really say, what do you want from us, Jesus of Nazareth? <laughs> That's not really how a demon would have said it. Uh, but I can't really give it as much as I'd like to here in the gospel because that'll probably end up on social media as, as a priest going ballistic during gospel or something. But, like, this scene is pretty horrific, Right? There is a possessed man, okay, who spends the day and night, night and day, howling and gashing himself with rocks. Okay? Chains and fetters would not hold him. So this guy was in a terrible state. Would have looked deplorable. You can maybe have an image like a, a slightly more dressed Smeagol in your head or something. Like, it, it would not have been pleasant to meet this guy at all. Okay? So this guy, strangely, catches sight of Jesus in the distance, runs up and falls at his feet. Why? Surely if you're a demon, the last person you want to see is Jesus. If you're a demon, why would you go to the one person who can cast you out, the one person who recognizes you? One person who knows what you are and has power over you. Maybe that's just it. The man's humanity, the man's humanity is crying out to be freed. So he runs to Jesus in, in, in his, yeah, this tortured humanity. He runs to Jesus to be freed. And he falls at his feet. And so, like, again, you have this, this kind of tortured uh, situation in his head where he says, What do you want of us, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? Swear by God you will not torture me. Right? So again, the, the man wants to be free. The demons in him don't want to be tortured, but like they live a tortured life anyway. It's not like if demons are in a person, they're happy. There is no happiness for a demon. Everything is, 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 is hatred and, and rebellion and pride. There, there is no state of peace or happiness. So, Jesus asks him what his name is. My name is Legion, for there are many of us. Again, insert more hissing and so on. And he begged him earnestly not to send him out of the district. Sends him into the pigs and the pigs charge off the cliff. So, where the man was bound is where he was found. Where the man was bound is where he was found. Where the man was in, was in need, where the man was broken, where the man was in pain, where the man was, was under the influence of evil, 
is where Jesus met him. And that's where he was healed. That's how he was healed. He brings the, the, the ugliness of, of his situation to the Lord. And then the Lord frees him. Where he was bound is where he was found. And it's, I think, such a healthy thing for us to be able to do. To say, Lord, you know, these are the ugly areas of my lives of my life, you know, my, my memories or my desires or my, my hurts, the things I won't let go of. Uh, someone said to me recently, I heard it in a talk, I can't remember who it was, but they said, um, what makes us unhappy? What makes us unhappy? Whatever we won't give to God is what makes us unhappy. Whatever we won't give to God is what makes us unhappy. So that, you know, the hurts I hold on to, the rebellion, the anger, the, the, the revenge, the, the jealousy, the impurity, the pride, whatever I won't give to God is what makes us unhappy. Now phrase that positively. The more I give to God, or if I give him everything, then the happier I am. Because I'm, I'm not bound anymore. Where I'm bound is where I'll be found. And that's, that's what, 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 where the Lord wants to go. Into that, the, the ugliness of our house. Into the untidy parts of our hearts. Into the darkness and the brokenness. That's where he wants to go. And that's where we need him. You, know, you can imagine this is quite common uh, to, in today's world. If you ask people, you know, are you Catholic? Uh, most Irish people kind of would say more or less yes, statistically. And if you ask them, what does it mean to be Catholic? What does it mean to be Catholic? I'd say probably, I can have no stats to back this up, but in or around, I would say, the majority of people would say that to, to be Catholic means, you know, to, I don't know, go to Mass on Sunday. It's kind of the, the, the one kind of key thing that makes us Catholic, go to Mass on Sunday. Good. So if you follow that up with, and why should you go to Mass on Sunday? I'd say practically no one understands why we should go to Mass on Sunday. In, even if they did get the right answer, I'm not sure if they believe it. So even if they know, in theory, uh, the Holy Bread or something. Okay, so, okay, the Holy Communion. Yeah, and why do we need that, if you were to ask them? Uh, I don't know. Like, why do you need Holy Communion? Hmm. I, I, like, do people know what it's for did they know what we're supposed to do with it you know so basically if 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 mass and the holy eucharist and all the sacraments if they don't give us anything if they don't serve a purpose why would you bother like why would you go to mass to receive something you don't need you understand if we don't understand our need for god then the sacraments and the eucharist and everything it's all redundant it's all obsolete great i'm glad i'm really happy that granny enjoys it but it's got nothing to do with me. I don't need it. So, like, we've done a, a kind of a bad job in the last couple of decades in Ireland in, in understanding and transmitting our, our need for God and our need for the sacraments, our need for forgiveness, our need for the Eucharist. And yet you ask people, you know, deep down in their hearts, how are they doing? And a lot of people will say, there's a lot of dirt there that needs to be cleaned up. There's a lot of pain, there's a lot of hurt, there's a lot of loneliness, a lot of woundedness. Exactly, exactly my point. That's why you need the Lord. That's why you need the Eucharist. I think that's kind of the heart of, of, of missionary activity as well, is to recognize that need, recognize what the Lord has, and show him that those needs and the Lord's grace 
That's what they're for. The Lord's grace fulfills your needs. Otherwise you have your needs and they're fulfilled by drink and social life and money and whatever, pleasure and distraction. And the Lord's grace is up here kind of doing nothing for you. Because we've never, we haven't joined the, the, the dots. You know, going back to what, what St. Augustine has said, you've made us for yourself, O oh Lord, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. So if our needs, if we never understand how the Lord can fulfill our needs, then everything the church offers is redundant. No matter how beautiful and sacred and wonderful and amazing they are, people will not see their need for them. They won't come to them. And that's welcome to today's Ireland. The sacraments haven't changed. They're still as good as they ever were. But people don't think they need them. Even though they're in probably the greatest need than they've been in decades. Look at the amount of sadness and brokenness and, and depression and suicidal tendencies and self-harm, the whole lot, everything that's out there. So... Where we're bound is where we'll be found. Our, our, our need, that's, that's God, that's our openness to God. It should be our openness to God. If we can learn to not hide those parts of our hearts from him. So when we're able to say, Lord, this, my parents broke up and it wrecked me. And that's where I need you. When my mom died, I, I fell apart. I actually blamed you, and that's why I need you. When I got diagnosed with cancer, when I lost my first child, when this relationship broke up, it hurt so bad. This is where I need you. And now our prayer life takes on a whole new fervor and, and depth and meaning because I brought the Lord into the places where he wants to go and where I need him. And now everything starts to... To come together. Now I start to see him not as a, a just judge or just as a mere creator, but I start to experience him as, as my healer. I know for myself, before the Lord comes into my life, I want to have everything arranged. I want to have everything already sorted. Um, often before I go to see my spiritual director, some, someone pointed this out to me that I try to have everything already fixed. And then I go to my spiritual director and tell him how I fixed it. So I try to have everything already sorted. So, you know, so I've got spiritual director coming up now in a week or two weeks. So, okay, what are the issues I need to have sorted? Then when I go to see him, I'll say, yes, uh, I had this problem, got it sorted. I had this other problem, got it sorted. So, um, you want to say to me? <laughs> and I realize, I, someone pointed out to me that, this, that's actually, that that's actually what you're doing. And I thought, oh, whoopsie. Yeah, I think it is. I think it is. If I do the same with the Lord, I probably do. Try to fix it first, and if I fail, then I bring it to the Lord. That's a lack of simplicity. And maybe even a form of pride. That I don't want the Lord to have to fix me. I'll try and sort it myself. And if I can't, then I'll go to him. I think the Lord would know what he was doing if I brought him in earlier. Where we're bound is where we'll be found. It is in our need that we will discover the depths of God's love for us. This demoniac knew to run to the Lord and throw himself at the Lord's feet. His situation was ugly, but he brought it to the Lord. And the Lord showed mercy 
healed him and set him free. So much so, this man did not want to leave the Lord. He wanted to follow him. The Lord said, go home and now bear witness to what you've seen. And so he did. man went off and proceeded to spread around the Decapolis all that Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed. We bring our brokenness to the Lord. We open those dark places of our hearts, that ugly, the ugliness of our hearts at times. We open that to the Lord. He will work. He will heal. And he will save. And then we can go and give witness and testify to what the Lord has done for us. May the Lord bless us today and grant us the courage to open our hearts as they are to him, our healer and our saviour. Amen.